Hello. Hi, how are you? Welcome to my very first interview. And I thought it would be fun, although at the end of the interview, when my interviewer stopped recording, she said, I don't know why anybody would want to listen to this (laughs) or listen to somebody talk about themselves for 20 minutes. It occurred to me that 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 could be possible. So this first episode is an interview with me by my very best and oldest friends. We've been friends since we were nine years old. And I thought it would just be kind of a fun twist to launch my interviews with an interview with me. Because I I mean, I think I, I share a little bit about myself, but this was actually a lot more personal than I expected as well. So if you don't want to hear me talk about myself for 20 minutes, then definitely don't listen to this episode. But if you're mildly interested in what my best friend thought might be some fun questions for you, then tune in. And this is featuring Odessa Spears. She is a physician's assistant in Southern California. And again, we've been friends for 30, I'm not going to do the math right now, 33 years. Yeah. And she probably knows me better than anyone else. I don't think we could be more different, but I love her dearly. And so, yeah, enjoy. I would love to hear what you think. Definitely email hello at Nicole BC with any questions or comments. And you know where to find me, socials at the BZ channel. You can sign up for the newsletter on my website, NicoleBZ.com. And there's always the loop to stay in touch monthly. You can sign up for that on my website as well. Happy listening. Okay, so I'm really excited about this. I've only been talking about doing this interview since August, and it is now January. So we're doing really good with that part. right on track. And you are hearing my oldest and bestest friend in the whole world, Miss Odessa Spears. Hello. Um, Odessa, I can edit your name out if you want to remain anonymous, which I would totally understand. I think we're okay. I think we're going to be good. Okay. Okay. (laughs) To kick off my interview series, I thought it would be actually fun and or interesting and potentially even enlightening to have me interview first. I like it. So uh, I couldn't think, yeah, of anyone better than my oldest. The person who probably knows me best has certainly known me the longest of anyone else on this planet, I think. Okay, well, I'm excited. Let's get started. Okay. Okay. Um, okay, well, then you, you go. So my first question to you, Nicole, this is sort of a two-parter. How do you, in a job interview setting, answer the question, Tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh my God, that's hilarious. Okay, so firstly, I also just have to add this caveat. Odessa and I are probably the complete opposite of each other. So whereas I show up and I'm winging everything, including this entire interview, Odessa has put like a ton of time and thought and energy into putting these questions together. So this is going to be like a legit interview that I'm totally not prepared for. Okay, so at a job interview, how do I answer tell us a little bit about yourself. Yes. So also let's just be clear. I'm really bad at jobs. Uh, really great at running shit, really bad at working for other people. So when someone asks me that I don't know where to start and I'll usually kind of present with another question. So I would say something along the lines of, Oh, that's, 
a fairly standard interview question. See why I'm already failing the interview, calling the interviewer out. And then I would say, um, you know, in what capacity are we talking about work or my personal life? Are you looking for like three words to sum it up? And so I, I guess I'd kind of put them on the back foot and make them be a little bit more specific because I would truly not know where to start with that question. I think it would also kind of depend on the job that I was applying for because I've done everything from like, you know, clean toilets to music festivals to run financial accounting firms. So <laughs> like, I would probably try and answer it in a way that uh, would make me sound like I'm a good fit, but I would start by narrowing the criterion of the question. So I totally didn't answer your question there. I'm already. That's okay. This. I feel like your answer would be very telling if that were your answer in a job interview. It's a very anxiety inducing question. So here's the second half. Wait, How why is it an anxiety inducing question? Um, because most people don't know how to answer it and they feel like it's kind of an important thing to have a good answer to. Anyway, huh. moving on. Okay. Second part. <laughs> um, how would you answer that question in the setting of a bar meeting a new person who was like, hi, tell me a little bit about yourself. Then what would you say? So the, I would almost do, I would like bring it right into that moment. And I would say, well, right now I'm at a bar probably by myself, <laughs> which is why we're talking. Perhaps we've even met on some sort of a swipe left, swipe right application. I don't know. But I am currently enjoying myself at said bar because that's what I do. And I'm really excited about meeting you and getting to know more about dot, 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 whatever the purpose of that meeting was. Um, yeah, I might tell them like a little bit about my day. I think I would I would go the opposite direction and like zoom right into the minutia of like exactly how I am right now in this moment. Got it. Okay. Nicole, when you were a small child, a litty bitty girl, what did you want to be when you grew up? I oh actually God, don't know I... the answer to this question, so I'm excited to hear it. Uh, I can remember feeling a lot of pressure as a itty bitty BZ, and I was surrounded by like hyper successful and intelligent people. And when I was itty bitty, I was in um, Northern California and Portola Valley, which some uh, probably recognize it more now as Silicon Valley, but then it was just a bunch of like old hippies that couldn't afford to live in San Francisco. So there was, I mean, like as soon as I could talk, people were asking and there was a lot of pressure and everyone in my family was a doctor. And I kind of knew that was never going to be my path. And so in my rebellious nature, which has always also been there, I would say I want to be happy kind of knowing that that was a pretty punk answer, but it would also like, <laughs> I think it kind of, I can remember it every time I said that, which again was a lot grownups were like, Oh uh, yeah. Uh, it kind of, they didn't really know what to do with it and it shut them up. So it was like, I won on, it, it was a different, it, it surprised them. It was also very, very true, but um, they, they could, didn't really need to know where to go from there. And it certainly stopped them from then telling me the best way of becoming that thing, which is usually what happens when you're like, I want to be a lawyer or the president or a fireman or, you know, they'll right. blah, blah, blah. So yeah, kind of shut it down. Okay. So you are um, one of three children. You have two siblings. I am. I do. What do you feel is the benefit of being the firstborn? Well, obviously we're the best. <laughs> <laughs> 
Actually, you know, it's so interesting that you asked that because right now I'm a little bit sick. I don't know if you can hear that. I'm with one of a very good friend of mine who has three kids, the oldest of which is also a daughter with two younger brothers. And it's really interesting watching the dynamics that I see so much of my sort of, not upbringing, but just what it would be like to be the firstborn oldest sister who's kind of a nightmare. And then with two very compliant, delightful younger brothers. And so I think I was definitely treated very differently than my brothers, not just because I was a girl or the firstborn, but my parents, my dad, especially I like the man is a doctor. He had never held a baby before me. And I was, they were the first in their sort of peer group to have kids so I spent, and I, my mom got pregnant immediately as soon as she could after having me. So I didn't, I didn't get a whole heap of time to myself with my parents, but I was definitely, you know, the only child with all of the grownups. I've always been very precocious and it, I think I was just sort of forced to be very confident and very independent very early on, especially because of my middle brother, my younger my younger brother, not the youngest, showed up. He had a lot of health complications. And so my parents' attention was very diverted immediately. So I think the advantage for me was that it, I was extremely confident, extremely precocious, and very, very independent almost from day dot. Um, I think, you know, some of the disadvantages were that my, my upbringing was a lot harsher than my brother's. Um, I don't have that same sense of like unconditional love and support that I especially think my youngest brother has. Um, that also might have a little bit to do with my personality. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think, I mean, I think siblings, it's just such an interesting exchange because you are forced to share, you are forced to experience life being unfair mm -hmm. and uh, there's like, I mean, I, I don't know that I'm not a parent, so I don't know, but I definitely think parents have their favorites. <laughs> and when you're a, like, you know, when you're not the favorite, I, I think, you know, when you are the favorite as well, I'm not the favorite. So again, I can't speak for myself, but it's just, I don't know. I don't it's know a really, I with you on that one. I don't know that you're not the favorite, but, uh, I, don't, I think, um, I am certainly, <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just interesting. I think siblings really teach you about, it's like politics, you know, yeah. there's kind of no getting around it. And, um, I don't, I have, I have a couple friends that are only children. They definitely wanted to have kids and multiple kids as quickly as possible. If that tells you anything about their experience as an only child, but yeah, I think it's being firstborn definitely. I mean, I was certainly more responsible and I was like babysitting by the time I was like eight uh -huh. years old because in the eighties you could leave your children alone. Um, but yeah. Okay. And do you think there's any benefits to being the only female child? I don't, um, no, <laughs> <laughs> Um, I definitely see. So my youngest brother has just gotten married and he has already spent, you know, more time with his wife's family than he has with this family. So I definitely think there's something to that, at least in like American Western culture, the girl tends to be 
closer with her parents. And, and actually, my brother's wife was saying that in terms of postpartum research, they're both in the medical fields, that um, women who spend more time with their own mothers statistically suffer less from postpartum than women who spend more time with their mother-in-laws who actually statistically suffer higher postpartum. So, um, I, I think, I mean, also like my dad was born in Poland. And so the expectation for me as an Eastern European female is very much like you take care of your parents. You're very loyal to your parents I remember my dad didn't let me do a lot of the things he let my brothers do. So I wasn't allowed to go on away trips. I was, I don't know if you remember, like everybody in eighth grade went to Washington. Um, Everybody went and slept on like that, the pilgrim, like that old ship. And like, I was never allowed to do that stuff. I was never allowed to go to summer camp. I wasn't allowed to, I mean, I wasn't even allowed to go over to your house (laughs) when your parents got divorced, like when you were with your dad. So there was, there was a lot, there was a level of strictness. I don't know. Monitoring that definitely happened with me that did not happen with them. Um, I also think, and this is very much more like recently in sort of reflections that my parents' ultimate plan for me was to get married and have children. And my parents' ultimate plan for my brothers would to be super smart, super successful experts in whatever fields they went into. And I mean, I've been saying for a long time, I have no interest in getting married or having kids, which I know in my dad's eyes makes me a failure. Um, my mom has told me that she raised me to be the independent woman that she never was. And she deeply regrets that. (laughs) So yeah, I do think it was really different. Um, being at least for me and my family, like, I think we were raised pretty differently, but I think that also has to do with the fact that I was the first and my dad's like, not really great with feelings or other people. And <laughs> so to have a girl first for him as well, I think was just like very challenging. Okay. My next question, I, I believe I know the answer to this question. I'm curious if you know the answer, what do you think is an unrecognized talent of yours? Oh, okay. Well, you're going to have to answer this after mm-hmm. I give my oh, answer. Of course. Okay unrecognized talent like so when you say unrecognized that i don't see it or other people don't see it or both i'm thinking kind of both like it's something you don't really identify with and maybe people don't necessarily associate with you okay well so i think uh the unrecognized talent is like incredibly nurturing because i'm I think I show up very strongly in my masculine, but because like I've always been much more of the business side of things and I move so quickly. Like I, I think if I had been a man, people would have a very different perception of me because I would fit in a lot better. Uh But, um, you know, I, I think my friends, it's like, they're not surprised, but they are like my friends that are here right now. I've spent months with them because uh my girlfriend has been really really sick on and off for years and um i think he i don't want to say their names because i haven't gotten permission to talk about them on this but um i think they've both just been shocked at how like how much i've shown up for them and also like how i've not asked for anything it's just been like like i showed up at her house and she was I'm not, I'm not exaggerating. She was curled up in the fetal position in a ball, like covered in blood. 
Um, she had a pretty unique skin condition and I called her husband and I was like, so I guess I'm not leaving. Um, and you know that, and, and like, like I, I have several examples of that with friends or with clients where they've just not really expected that level of support. Whereas for me, it's, it's not, it's not even like an ask. It's just, this is how we take care of each other. Um, and by no means, like, does everybody get that? It's definitely for people who I was going to say like chosen family, or I have a deep respect for people who are just in my experience and like pretty significant need. But I think that surprised me. Um, I think I first witnessed how good I am at that when another friend of mine was diagnosed with cancer and I knew immediately that he wasn't going to make it, but his wife was, they had just gotten pregnant. And this is when I was leaving the music industry. And so I knew I would have some time to plan. And I thought I'll go and offer my support in the hopes that he's going to be fine, but also knowing that he's not, and she's going to be eight months pregnant at that point. And I was really able to show up for that family in a way that, I, I mean, I know that they'll certainly never forget it. And for me, it, it didn't, it just seemed like what, what you do for each other. So yeah, that's kind of my thing. What do you think? Well, okay. First, I think your answer is good. I agree with you. And I can see how you feel like this is sort of like an aspect of your personality that takes a minute for people to notice because um, you do not accept excuses from people and you hold your friends, especially, and people near to you um, to a high standard of personal accountability. So I think people can easily feel like, wow, she's such a hard ass, man. But um, at the end of the day, you are very supportive and, and you will show up. And, and I agree. I agree with your answer. Um, I was going to say, and I still agree with this answer, that you're actually very artistic. Um, you have an eye for fashion and you have an eye for interior design and like art. And I think that's something you don't really think much about because I think it just comes very naturally to you. And um, it's actually, I, I have always noticed that about you and I don't even think you really pay much attention to it. Well, thanks. I mean, I am obsessed with art. You know that I think I bought you a few pieces. Um, so I, I, yeah, it's, I think that also has a lot to do with my upbringing um, to be honest, which is so weird. I don't really remember a lot before I got to Southern California. And I think that, I think it has to do with the fact that I just didn't have that reflection. And I mean, this was also in the day of like analog photos and my dad, I mean, the economic situation that I was born into, I think shifted pretty dramatically as I got older, but I don't think they were like taking a lot of pictures and getting them developed. So I just didn't have a lot of memories from that time, but I'm very aware there was no encouraging of being artistic. Like the only opportunity I had to even le learn an instrument is when you were playing piano and I would like go over to your house to try and learn to play piano, but then not having a piano to practice on, it didn't go very far, very quickly. Um, so I kind of wonder like if there had been any value put on the arts at all, like if things were to have shifted. And then when I got into music and the arts, as much as I wanted to be the creative and be the engineer and be the producer and make music and even play music, my skills were always so much stronger on the business side of things that like whatever situation I found myself in, I would always end up just running the business side of things. So at some point I just 
swallowed the red pill and went, okay, cool. I guess I'll just be the business person. Um, hold on. I have to like sneeze and snort and stuff because I'm sick and I'm going to see if I can mute my microphone if it doesn't, I don't, but I don't want you to start talking and then have it interrupt. Okay. I'll just be here. Fucking kids, man. They are super spreaders and they just bring disease and pestilence with them everywhere they go. Yes, it's their job. They're little vectors. Okay, next question is very easy. What is your favorite food? It's not easy. I love food. <laughs> That's I a, I like the answer to this one as well. I is it chocolate? No, I think you'll disagree with me, but. Is it nuts? No. Chocolate and nuts are kind of like, if I just had chocolate and nuts, I'd, I'd survive okay, happily sure. forever. I think that um, possibly cheese. Yes. Cheese. Your cheese. cheese. It's the only reason I'm not a vegan. I, yeah, yeah I love yeah. cheese. Um, but yeah, I love it. So like, I am very grateful. I called him my Oracle of knowledge. He was a friend of mine that I made in Australia. Who was probably about 10 years older than me when I first met him. And, um, I mean, I, I don't know, I'm always on the kind of like lose weight, get healthy, overindulge, lose weight, get healthy, overindulge cycle. But I remember talking to Andy and he said, you know, taste is one of our five senses. It really is something that we are meant to enjoy. And like, while I've got friends here, we're definitely cooking and commiserating over food and beverages. And part of me wonders what my life would look like if I didn't, if everything didn't kind of revolve around a delicious meal at the end of the day. But uh, I also think we've been using food and spirit to celebrate for centuries. So yeah, I'm okay with that. But she is, she's just delicious. Um, Next question. Who is a well-known public figure that you admire? Oh, ooh, I should have prepared for that one. Uh, male right now. Female. Sorry? I said male or female. Um, okay, this might be a bit of a cop-out, but I really like Banksy, the artist. The fact... I, I love I like, people who I feel like if they're well known, I should know who that is. Um, well, this is the problem is I've kind of like stopped with mainstream media and pop culture, like ever since getting out of the music industry and like the entire world melting down. Um, I'm finding, and especially like working in small business and really kind of trying to find people, you know, I like the origin story. I like people who it took time. It wasn't some overnight thing. They've really done it their way. And they're, they're, they're sharing like a story and therefore a purpose that is trying to create the change they want to see in the world. So Banksy, you know, Banksy, he's like that graffiti artist that, um, uh, he's like the girl with the balloon or, um, the, do you remember like there was recently, uh, someone bought a piece of art at the Met, or not at the Met, I'm sorry, at Christie's auction. And then like, as soon as they bought it, the whole thing like went through the shredder. No. Um, he's basically just like turning, I mean, it was like the art world on its head, but I think it's more like consumer and sort of capitalist culture 
and long story short like he's now like bought a boat and is like shuttling um refugees from northern africa to mainland europe then he's just always like everything he always has to share he just put out something really interesting in terms of social media and marketing and advertising and selling and just that like our entire experience has been turned into one giant advertisement and everything we think we want. It's because we've been told that we lack it and we need it and we have to buy it. And mm-hmm. he just, he has always been fringe. He's like, no one theoretically knows what he looks like. You know, he's never wanted to be famous, but in that like created, you know, worldwide notoriety for himself and, um, and then I think like, he's really trying to do what he can to give back and make the world a better place. And, um, and I mean, his work has always been very poignant and, uh, it really makes you think, especially in like the settings where it is. And, um, yeah, I think, I mean, you know, he's been doing graffiti since graffiti was a crime and now it's considered like a fine art form and, I, yeah, I think it's interesting when people are doing what they want to do before it was cool or popular. Um, and in fact, when it was probably vilified and they, they do it because it, there's nothing else that they can do and, you know, they wouldn't be able to sleep or eat without having created. So, um, yeah, he springs in terms of like, well-known, there's a lot more people that I'm kind of tuning into right now who I think are really carving out like I've been saying this kind of since the internet happened, which is when like we were teenagers that if everyone can have a website, you know, if you can have literally a billion, you know, billions of websites out there, we're going to need filters. And at the time I was like, it'll be like Oprah.com. And like Oprah would be like your Google with the Google didn't exist then. And so you would look to these, these people or these figures or even these institutions as your filter to the world and now that's kind of how I see influencers. And I know influencers have gotten a really bad name because they're all seen as sort of like big titty millennials who are like traveling the world um, and taking pictures of their bums. But I think there's actually a, a huge group of people, especially in the last couple of years, who are kind of taking the torch that journalism was meant to, which is really to be like a checks and balances for the institutions in our societies and doing that because it, journalism is censored now. And so these influencers are, 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 you know, not dissimilar to like Banksy are taking their purview, their perspective on the world and doing the research and reporting on stories and even sharing products or places where people who are interested in the things that they're interested in can all sort of converge. So I think that's, you know, I, I always want to be very hopeful about the future and especially now, like, I don't really know why any of us would get out of bed if we didn't have a little bit of hope. Um, so I think, you know, that's where like artists and these public figures and these people who have that kind of a platform have an opportunity. And I think, yeah, there's, there's a lot of people who I would call like a micro influencer that I'm sort of tuning into a lot more right now than like big giant public well-known people. Got it. Okay, Nicole, my last and final question for you today. Ooh. What is a piece of advice you would give your younger self? Oh, okay. Um, fuck. Uh, I've lived like so many different lives and I was thinking about, cause this is also like, this is like a really popular question at SI. You didn't dig very deep on this one. Just kidding. Um, no, I was really curious what you were going to ask me. Uh, I thought you were going to call me out a little bit more. So I'm pleasantly surprised. 
Um, so I think my youngest self, like my teenage self, I would tell her like, you don't have to do it all on your own. Um, you know, I got, I was sick and that kind of made me feel like I was totally fucking alone in the world and in life. And, you know, you, you're born alone, you die alone, you sleep alone, that kind of vibe. And it took me like the last 20 years to kind of unpack that. And, um, I don't think I would have fought as hard or been so angry had I not felt like we're totally alone. So that's what I would tell my 16 year old self. I would tell my 20 year old self that she's got nothing to prove. Cause I spent my twenties like working 24 seven and I think I tried on a lot of different, you know, outfits, proverbially speaking, trying to be what I thought I needed to be in order to get what I thought I wanted to have. And that was also like exhausting. Um, I experienced some pretty hardcore breakdowns in terms of burnout that I think, I don't know, like I talk about this with all, like a lot of entrepreneurs, every entrepreneur I've ever met, can you avoid the burnout? I don't think you can. Cause I think we're sort of hardwired to, to hit that wall. But then once you hit that wall, you can kind of, you, you realize like there is a fucking limit <laughs> like, and um, your limit is your limit and it might not look like somebody else's and that's okay. But uh, yeah, working beyond your capacity will break you. And then like there's a tear that doesn't get repaired. So that's what I would tell my 20 year old self, my 30 year old self, I would probably tell her, to trust, like really figure out what trust feels like. Um, you know, I think I've come to terms with all of those things. Like, you know, we're all connected. You have nothing to prove. And it's in your trust and belief that anything is possible, that like everything happens. But I spent a lot of my 30s, it was a pretty destabilizing time. It's when I had to move back from Australia to the States when I left the music industry, you know, and then I was kind of trying a, a handful of different careers, which is how I found myself in business coaching. And I think a lot of the decisions that I made were made out of fear. And I, I do wonder if things might have been different had I trusted, like you're going to end up exactly where you're supposed to be and you can't miss what's meant for you. Um, and I, there was just a lot of like, not regrets. I don't believe in regret. I try not to do anything that I would regret, but there was definitely a lot of pain. I took things pretty personally and I felt pretty rejected and I felt pretty, um, what's the right word? Like sabotaged and, you know, most often by myself, but definitely by circumstance as well. So yeah, a few different pieces of, of advice. Thank you, Odessa. You're welcome. Um, okay, I'm going to stop recording.